The reading is from Exodus chapter 16, starting at verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven to you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know what it is like for the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening... Quell came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat, and Moses said to him, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. 
Bake what you'll bake, and boil what you'll boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Great, we're looking at the um, Israelites as they start on their journey uh, in the wilderness uh, this evening. Um, Before we start, I'd like you to imagine with me um, that you're about to go on a staycation. Um, We're not getting too ambitious, we're staycation. Um, So think of the place that that you'd like to go, somewhere nice, maybe a beach on Cornwall or maybe up the mountains in North Wales. Um, And you've got a lovely destination in mind. You've got a fantastic plan for when you get there. But before you get there, you have to actually get there. You need to journey there. And I don't know about you, um, but I'm actually not a massive fan of traveling. Um, I find that within about half an hour of a five-hour drive, uh, I become a little bit agitated. I become acutely aware that I'm sat in the back seat of the car with my siblings alongside me. My sister's elbow is digging into me. My brother's legs just go on forever, so there's absolutely no room for mine. Uh, Within about half an hour, I've eaten all the sweets that I bought, which means that I'm about to have a sugar crash, I have no more sweets, and I also feel a bit travel sick. And before long, I've actually found that I've completely forgotten where I'm going and the lovely holiday that I'm about to go on. And all I can think about is how I really don't want to be in the car anymore. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. It might not. It might just be me. Um, But we're going to see something of that from the Israelites this evening. It doesn't take long for them to actually forget where they've come from and where they're going, and they get distracted by the journey. Great, so um, just before we start, let's actually remember how we got to kind of where we are. Um, So previous weeks, we've been using objects to kind of help us remember. First week, hopefully we will remember this. These are the chains, um, which represents that Israel were in slavery when we picked up. Now I've got the deadly prickly bush to negotiate. Oy! It's not as prickly as they say. Um, um, this uh, is obviously a bush that's on fire, but, um, but not really. This was the burning bush where God appeared to Moses. Um, and then after that, we have Aaron's staff, um, where we saw the plagues. We saw God's power, which he... I should probably not put that there. Which he um, showed to both his people and also to the Egyptians. Then we had the lamb, which is the Passover lamb. Um, So we saw there, this was uh, substituted uh, for the Israelites so that their firstborn wouldn't die. Oh, last week, here we go. You ready for this? Anyone remember what we had last week? Yeah, some waves. Um, The parting of the Red Sea. Look at that, that's a fab effort. Um, So yeah, we saw... God do the seemingly impossible to, um, 
to rescue his people from their enemies, the Egyptians. And if you see that down there, we're going to get a bread theme this evening. Great stuff. Um, Now, in this um, chapter, I've broken it into three parts to kind of help us understand and and see. I think the three main things we're going to see, if you're taking notes, number one, we're going to see a problem. Number two, we're going to see the people's failure. And number three, we're going to see God's provision. So number one, uh, what's the problem? Well, this is the easy one, but if we fell asleep during the reading, um, verse three, um, the Israelites are grumbling to uh, Moses and Aaron. And in the latter half of verse three, we see them say, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So we see the problem is very simply, the Israelites are hungry. Uh, They are really hungry. Now, I know we've all felt that kind of varying levels of hunger in our lives. Um, But for most of us, if not all of us, those times when we feel really hungry, we know that we just need to wait until we get home where there's food in the fridge, or we get to go to the shop or get a takeaway, and then we'll be okay. But the Israelites in the wilderness, they don't have any fridges with them. They don't have a local corner shop that they can head to. You see, the Israelites are not just hungry, they're actually really in trouble here. There is no obvious source of food for them, and they are really in danger of potentially starving here. And so you might be thinking, okay, fair enough. Like, I grumble when I'm hungry. I've never been this hungry. They might actually die. This is kind of a fair gripe. But I think if we look closely, we'll see a glimpse of our second problem, in our second point in um, the Israelites' grumbling, which is the people's failure. So verse 2, um, we see it says that Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. But actually, if you flick to verse 8, which should come up behind me, I think, um, Moses says about them, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. You see, Moses points out to the Israelites that they're not really upset with him and his leadership, but they're grumbling and complaining against God and God's leadership. So I think in that, we see two things about the Israelites' heart. The first thing we see is that they don't appreciate God. They don't appreciate who he is and what he's done for them. We've just seen in that quick recap how many amazing things, the plagues and the the Red Sea, he's done so much, so many amazing things for them. He has crushed their enemies, and yet they don't appreciate him or what he's done for them. In case uh, you don't know what it means to not appreciate someone, we've got a little clip to come up to try and help illustrate that. Number one, the Lexus. Today I'm 15, finally 15. I'm wearing a crown because it's my birthday and I want the whole world to know. Easily one of the most infamous real life diva to ever grace the small screen. Audrey is the one everybody thinks of when the show is brought up and for good reason. Happy birthday. No, what the hell, I don't want my car now. She had a legendary meltdown when her mom gave her a brand new Lexus on her actual birthday a few days before her party because there weren't enough people there to see her receive it. She wanted the car, but she didn't want it today. 
She wanted it on the day of the party. Despite the fact that her mom was obviously trying to give her a nice surprise, Audrey is basically as ungrateful as humanly possible. She starts crying and screaming about how her birthday is completely ruined because of this, to the horror of her friends, her family, and everybody watching. Don't you just hate it when you get Alexis on your birthday, not the day of your party? Awful, truly awful. Um, but yeah, that's a silly way of kind of showing you what it's like to not appreciate. We can all understand that that is a complete lack of gratitude and appreciation. But we, we do see that in the Israelites as well. We see them fail to appreciate God and what he's done for them. I think the second thing that we see is actually that they don't trust God. You see, um, God has already done so much for them. And actually, he, um, if back in chapter 6, we see that he has promised them quite a few things. Um, hopefully, uh, that should appear on the screen behind me. There's a few things I want to pick out. Chapter 6, verse 6 to 8, you can flick through if you want, but these are the main things that um, I've picked out that God says. God says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. And this one's kind of a key one, this last one, verse 8. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. You see, God has promised them quite a lot. And actually, notice those first few. He's doing really well. He has delivered them from slavery. He's brought them out from Egypt. And he has redeemed them. But they don't trust him still. After all that he's done, they do not trust that he will deliver on this last promise to bring them to the promised land. Now, we know that's the land of Canaan, um, and so they're in the wilderness, and they just don't trust that God will actually be able to provide for them and get them to where he said he would. Now, it's very easy um, to look at that, to look at the people's failure, how they don't appreciate God, how they don't trust God, and kind of shake our heads uh, and wag our fingers. But I think that actually if we take a moment and think about how we think of God, or maybe if we think about how little we think of God, then we see that this is us too. How often do we find that we don't appreciate all the good that God has done for us? When things get hard, we look to blame him. But when things are good, we completely forget about him. How often do we not trust God? Do we fail to trust that he will deliver on what he's promised to us? That he has delivered, and that he is enough? And how often do we go looking other places for our ultimate satisfaction? You see, what we see in the Israelites is actually, it's not an Israelite problem. It's a human problem. It's our problem. We see that this is just as much us as it is the Israelites. But thankfully, that brings us on to my final point, which is God's provision. Um, We see that um, God, rather than just saying, all right, you know what, you don't appreciate me or trust me or whatever. You know what, you can get yourselves out of this mess. Because, well, he knows full well that they can't. Um, He doesn't even just um, give them just enough food to survive. They're still hungry, they're still uncomfortable, but they're surviving. No, if you look at verse 18 with me, uh, that should also be on the screen. It says, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. So you see, God provides for them. Um, How does he do this? Uh, Well, he provides quail in the evening. And if you notice, I think it's verse 20, 
1 or 14, one of those. He, uh, the, the bread he provides is this fine, frost-like kind of bread. And so these little flakes of frost, uh, well, the budget didn't quite manage to stretch to frosties, uh, but we've got some cornflakes here. So we've got like, imagine that you're an Israelite, you wake up in the morning. I probably should have done this a bit more out of the way, shouldn't I? Um, you wake up, and here we have these kind of fine, frosted flakes. And you see that the Israelites were actually quite confused by this um, and what it means for them, these kind of cornflakey things that they, they wake up to. But actually, it sustains them. They eat as much as they can eat. They don't need any more. And they find that this is enough to kind of quell their hunger so that they don't need anything more. So despite the fact that the Israelites grumble against him, they don't appreciate him, they don't trust him, we see that God provides for his people. God is a good and gracious God who loves to provide for his people. And that's amazing to see, and it's great to kind of think about that and and meditate on that. But at the same time, we might be thinking, okay, that's great. That's great for for the Israelites who got fed with with bread, but to be honest, those cornflakes don't look that appealing, and I've got bread in the bread bin, um, so what does this mean for me? Um, And so... I think to to help us understand this, there's a bit in John uh, 6, verses 32 to 35. Once again, it should be on the screen behind me, so um, don't worry if um, you haven't got a Bible or anything. Um, So Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and now he's talking to the crowd afterwards. And um, Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. You see, we see in that verse... Jesus identifying himself as our bread. He identifies himself as like the manna was for the Israelites, so he is for us. He is God's provision for us today. But unlike the manna, which filled the Israelites' physical need, Jesus actually makes a real point that he's not here to uh, fill a physical need, but a spiritual one, a much deeper need that we have See that Jesus is our bread. So what exactly is this um, spiritual provision? Um, Well, John 14 verse 6 is another one of Jesus' great I am sayings. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus shows us here that actually he provides for us. He is our provision because he is the only way that we can know the Father, that we can have a relationship with him. You see, without Jesus, we can't come to God. We are sinful people, and we can't have a relationship with him. We have no way to earn that ourselves, but it is only through Jesus that we can actually come to God. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would be like the Israelites, uh, kind of wandering around in a kind of spiritual wilderness with no way to save ourselves. And like the Israelites, if God doesn't step in, there is nothing we can do. 
And ultimately, we face death. Not physical death, but spiritual death. Separation from God. And that is why we desperately need Jesus. And that is why it is so good that we have him. We have that provision. So before I finish, how are we going to react to God's provision for us? Are we going to trust his provision? Are we going to appreciate that provision? And like the Israelites needed to do every day, are we going to get nourished by that provision? Well, kind of, what does that mean? Well, if we're trusting in Jesus' provision for us, we're trusting that Jesus is all that we need. We are recognizing that we don't need to go elsewhere to find ultimate satisfaction and true life, but we know that it is found in Jesus. If we appreciate what Jesus has done for us, then we're filled with humbleness and actually a heart of thankfulness for what Jesus has provided for us. And being nourished by it, you see, Jesus, through his provision, means that we can have that relationship with God. And as we continue to be nourished by that, we continue to develop that relationship with God. As we look at Jesus, look at um, Jesus in the Bible, and pray to God, we get that deeper understanding of God. We can know him better and love him more deeply because of it. Now, we say quite a lot at St. Mary's that it's great to read your Bible uh, every day, or not, if not every day, as often as possible. Um, and I hope that, that when we say that, that you don't just hear that um, that is like a chore or something that you need to tick off or something that maybe gets you a few brownie points. But I hope that you see it as what it is. It's that spiritual nourishment. It's getting that spiritual nourishment to make sure that we're not starving spiritually kind of day in, day out. But actually, if we keep reading our Bible, keep developing that relationship with God, knowing him better and loving him more because of it, well, ultimately, we won't go hungry. And that's my prayer for for all of us, actually, for all of us uh, in this congregation and uh, those of us that aren't here, that we would continue to be nourished by Jesus, by what he's done for us, and by him being our bread of life. Great. Let me pray for us quickly as we close. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. The fact that he is the bread of life. The fact that we can have life with him and we don't need to face death because of that. And Father, I just pray that we would trust the provision that you've provided. We would appreciate Jesus and that we would be nourished by him every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for all your questions and voting. So the first one I'm going to ask is, didn't the Israelites have sheep and goats with them that they could have eaten? Yeah, we'll get this out of the way quickly because I don't know. Um, That's a great question. Um, It's made me think, uh, but I I honestly don't know. Email Rob uh, in the week. Uh, He'll answer you, I'm sure. Rob's shrugging at me, so that's, that's not a good sign. Uh, sorry, don't know that one. We're going to have to move on to one I do, maybe. Um, if it was actually bread, how did it melt in verse 21? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so we see in verse 31, uh, Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So I get this idea from that verse that this isn't just a kind of normal bread that they were used to, or maybe a normal bread that we're used to. Um, It was something slightly different. It's very thin. Uh, 
If you know that a lot of surface area, a lot of heat, it's going to make it easier for it to melt. Um, but I'm not sure I can give a particularly satisfactory answer to that, but I'm not sure it's kind of bred as we were used to, and it being all flaky probably means that it was more susceptible to melting. And also, um, God obviously clearly wanted them to go and get their bread every day. And so um, I think, obviously, he had a hand in, in making sure it, it melted so that they, they needed to rely on him every day and um, exercise that trust every day. Brilliant. Um, is there a difference between crying out to God and grumbling against God? Yeah, great question. Really, really good question. Um, wanted to talk about this, but didn't get time. Yeah, so you see that um, throughout, we see Israel grumble against God, and then Moses cries out to God. And, you know, maybe sometimes you read that and you think, well, what's the difference? Moses seems to be saying some very similar stuff. Um, and I think the difference is, the key thing is um, their heart and why they are communicating with God. I think the Israelites, um, when they grumble, it's kind of they're, they're blaming God. They're saying to God, you know, we don't think that you're uh, able to actually get us out of this mess. Um, they aren't looking to God's help in a, in a way that, um, that they have the kind of right heart towards God. But I think crying out to God is different. It's with the expectation of, you know what, you're God, you know what you're doing. But we're in a really tricky spot and could really use your help. It's knowing that God is who he is. It's appreciating that, but it's still wanting help. It's okay to need help in situations and pray to God and cry out to him. But it's doing that, remembering who he is, remembering that he's perfect and he's good. And if you're you know, expecting results, it's because of God, not because he owes you anything, but it's because of his mercy. And I think that that crying out to God is asking for his mercy rather than the grumbling, which is saying, you're doing something wrong. You need to do this for me. Um, so I think that's the main difference between crying out and grumbling. Crying out, you have the right idea and picture of who God is. And um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what does it mean that we will never hunger if we come to Jesus? Yeah, that's also a really good question. So, um, Yeah. What does it mean that we'll never hunger? It's pretty obvious for the Israelites if they're never hungering, they're just not getting hungry. But for us, so um, like the key distinction, obviously, um, we have the idea that Jesus is our spiritual provision. So if he's spiritual provision, then we're not going to be spiritually hungry. And so what does that mean? It's actually when he provides all that we need, it means that he provides all that we need. We don't need more. If you're hungry, you need more. Um, but if you're fully filled you don't. And I think that's, that's the point, that Jesus is all that we need. He's all that we need to come to God and have that relationship with him. We don't need anything else. If anyone tells you, yeah, Jesus is great, grace is great, but also you need this, then that's not, that's not understanding that Jesus is all we need. That's not understanding that we will never be hungry uh, when we have Jesus. And so I think that's the, the main point is that when Jesus says we will never go hungry, he means he will fully satisfy us. He's all we need to have eternal life. That, um, yeah, we might get physically hungry, but in terms of eternal life and that relationship with God, we have that through him and him alone. We don't need anything else. He's all that we need. And, um, yeah, we don't need to go looking around and, and hoping for other bits.
Ian, cool. that seems fair. Yeah. Can I invite Dan Reed to the front, please? We've got, it's that time of the service again. We've got time for a little interview. Is my Britney mic working? Is it on my face properly? Brilliant. Um, welcome, Dan. Um, I wish I was uh, like one of those late-night TV hosts who can rip up their notes and throw them behind them, but uh, I need these questions, so I'm going to be reading them to you. Um, yeah, you're a uh, homegrown St. Mary's boy, fellow St. Mary's... Um, veteran, I suppose. Um, but tell us a bit about where you've been for the last three years. These are some quick fire questions to begin with. Uh, yeah, so I was away at Bristol Uni, uh, spent a year in Germany, and now I'm back. Great. I actually didn't know that you spent a year, a year in Germany. I will be asking you more about that later. <laughs> um, I understand that you do some writing. Um, can you, who do you write for? Um, got any projects that you're working on at the minute? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, so for the last year or so, I've written for Ayers Magazine, um, which is an online thing for Christians in the UK, so check that out, give us a follow. Um, yeah, and then I've written for a couple of other blogs and websites in the last few months, and then do a bit of creative stuff in my own time. What kind of creative things? Can you, can you reveal, or is it, <laughs> is it a secret? <laughs> no, so I'm attempting to write a novel. It's kind of something I've wanted to do. And we could have been as well. Great, okay. wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and what are you most looking forward to, to doing when the restrictions lift? Yeah, I think I just want to be spontaneous again. I want to wake up one day and think, I'm going to go to London today and just get a train and not have to plan it and socially distance yeah. and wear a mask. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, so you and I are on, on quite similar journeys um, through the pandemic um, in that we're both in sort of creative fields um, and we're both struggling to find work and have been for probably a year going on now, isn't it? Um, how do you find that's affected your relationship with God? Has it put strain on it um, or has it been business as usual? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's put a bit of strain on it. Um, it's been hard in lots of ways. Um, but I think the big thing is kind of a frustration with God, right, knowing he has a plan and he knows my situation and has the power to change it, but I'm still here, like I'm stuck in life, kind of, don't really know what to do, uh, what I want to do, um, yeah, and just lots of, like, job projections and things, and every time you get excited for a job, you're like, oh, this is God's plan, this is the one, and then you get rejected again, and you're back to square one, and you're like, what do you want me to do now, God? Um, yeah, so kind of frustration, mainly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, when we were thinking about the wilderness earlier, I was thinking, oh, yeah, we, we're experiencing a bit of wilderness at the minute, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, know, I know from personal experience, some of these cliche yet true phrases like, um, you know, God has a plan, um, and uh, one of the other ones I wrote down, um, you know, God will be using you in this time. Um, sometimes they're just sing singularly unhelpful, um, uh, yeah. um, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of it waiting for something to happen, as you're, as you're saying. Um, but have you had any like, moments of realisation or slow realisations that have helped you to, to weather the storm at all? Yeah, I think it's definitely like lots of little moments and kind of constantly being reminded of things that are true. Um, and it is kind of those cliche things, but you have to learn it <laughs> the hard way, I guess. Um, yeah, so learning that 
God really does have a purpose, even when we can't see it. Um, and actually, ultimately, his purpose for my life is that I'm saved. Um, so I could be unemployed for the rest of my life, and that wouldn't change. Um, yeah, so I guess there's that bigger purpose, um, which means there is always hope. Um, yeah, I'm just learning to actually trust that and mean it when I say yeah. that. I wish I had more time to dig into, in, dig into that with you. But um, what, how can we be praying for you um, in this time and, and indeed for anyone who's um, yeah, feeling like they're in the wilderness at this point in time? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I think pray, well, I pray that we get jobs. That would be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> pray for um, perseverance and patience. Um, yeah, like I was saying, to really mean it when we say we trust God um, and his timing. Um, yeah, and just to um, not feel like it's a waste of time, but to think about how we can use the time we have to invest in our relationship with God um, and to serve him. Yeah. Be great. Wonderful. Can I pray for you now? Yeah, Wonderful. Heavenly Father, thank you. Um, thank you so much for Dan. Um, thank you for his, his, his witness to you, that he brings glory to you. Um, every day, and we pray that you'd um, you'd help he and I and anyone anyone else in this in this kind of position um, where we're feeling a bit lost. We're feeling like we don't know um, where you're taking us. Um, we just pray that um, even though we may never know that, even with hindsight, we may never know what these um, months and years um, were about, what they were doing in us. Um, we do just ask that you'd help us to trust you. Um, please help Dan to to trust you and. Um, um, not to, not with fake smiles and fake um, fake optimism, um, but with a steadfast resoluteness that um, that, that reminds other people of, of Jesus. Um, yeah, and we do just pray for um, for jobs for the jobless. Um, yeah, great in your name. Amen. Amen. Great.